0: Dark Days of Dorothy Gale contains content not suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. Darker Days of Dorothy Gale Chapter 29 the Golden City of Usera A Space Without Time Mr. and the Woodman had no problems enlisting the help of the Stone King when it came time to cross the river. The travelers had no issues in the land of the dead trees and razor grass. They had no fear when they came to the entrance of the city of Dis, with its giant guardian lying battered at its broken outer wall. The dark wood offered no trouble as the woodman hacked his way through. In fact, he seemed to take sick pleasure in the sounds of the trees as they bled and cried out in pain. The travelers were now at the edge of the golden desert. Mister looked out over the sands. The golden dunes were truly a remarkable sight. Ash and embers fell from the sky like burning snowflakes, and the air smelled of sulfur and rotting meat. In the distance, a long line of nomads traveled from one end of the horizon to the other. Mister watched as a small ember landed on his newly crafted Thick, leather arm. It burned and stung, but did not ignite. He felt another on his back, but again it was nothing more than an uncomfortable inconvenience. The pain he endured during his rebirth at the hands of the blind king's servants may have been well worth it after all. The Woodman now stood taller and thinner than before. His body forged anew from steel and iron. He was heavier. His body would still rust if submerged in water. But a light rain would be nothing more than the same discomfort Mr. felt from the small embers that fell from the sky. What do you think lies at the other end of the desert? "'asked Mister. "'The golden city of Usera," "'answered the woodman. "'Do you think that's where they're going?' "'replied Mister, "'watching the travelers on the horizon. "'No. "'They aren't going anywhere. "'Nowhere important, anyway.' How do you know all of this? asked Mr. as he looked at his metal compatriot. The woodman looked Mr. up and down before answering. Because I was born a man, and my head isn't filled with straw. Mr. simply shrugged off the insult and pressed onward. After hours of wandering through the desert, Mr. and the Woodman came upon the travelers on the horizon. They all looked sickly thin. A fine yellow dust coated their naked bodies. Upon seeing Mr., one of the men ran to him.
1: Are you here
0: because you
1: hate her too?
0: The man asked his voice as cracked as his dry, bleeding skin. You don't
1: hate her as much as me. No one can hate her that much.
0: The rest kept their heads down as they passed him by. Mister looked at the woodman who just shrugged. Hate who? Her! The man yelled. Her! He repeated, this time in a whisper as he pointed subtly to the sky, his hand down and close to his chest. She's not that great. You know? (laughs) Terrible. Very, very terrible. The man slowly raised his hand to feel Mr.'s leathery exterior. His dry, severely cracked skin bled, leaving red streaks on the soft fabric as he caressed it. A small ember floated down from the sky, landing on the man's long, wiry hair. His head ignited in a burst of flames. Mister and the woodman watched as he frantically patted his head to put the fire out. As Mister reached out to help, the woodman stepped up and pushed his arm out in front of him. This is not our problem, he said sternly, callously. They watched as the man dropped to his knees, picking up handfuls of the desert's golden sand, pouring it over his head, but unable to smother the flames. The other nomads continued to pass, simply stepping over and around him as he now rolled around on the ground.
1: I will always hate you, the man screamed, as much in death. "'as I did in life. "'No punishment, (laughs) "'no punishment will ever quell my disdain.'
0: "'I've seen enough,' said the woodman "'as he kicked the burning man aside "'and pushed through the unending line of travelers.' Mr. followed close behind. Once on the other end of the desert, Mr. and the Woodman finally found themselves in the golden city of Usera. The citizens of the city were nauseatingly obese and aimlessly wandered its golden streets. Heavy bags of money hung around their necks and they dragged long golden balls and chains behind them. ''My purse,'' said one, looking at the others as sweat poured down his face.
1: ''Keep your lot,'' said another, ''Mine is
0: bigger.'' His voice was thick and wet, as though he was speaking through a throat caked in mucus. These are the ones who made their money by giving money to others. Lenders. Bankers. The ones who saw opportunity and the misfortune of those less fortunate. Rotting here, on the other side, in their golden city. Even this is too good for these people. Mr. was surprised by the woodman's words, not just because of the knowledge he displayed, but by the hatred that seemed so prevalent in his tone. They were quickly approached by two armed guards, tall men in heavy, shimmering armor, each carrying a large, golden axe. Mr. looked at the woodman, curious to see if his reaction was one of fear, anger, or something else entirely. It's okay. They're not going to hurt us. Their kind of violence is not physical. Mr. and the woodman were silently escorted through the city and delivered to a large palace on the other end. The palace was like nothing they had seen before, no menacing towers or spires sticking up from it. Instead, it was made up of large golden domes that radiated intense heat from the desert sun. As Mr. and the Woodman were escorted through the palace, Mr. marveled at the elaborate etchings that lined the walls and floors. Every room was open and spacious, filled with large piles of golden treasures and beautiful furniture. Eventually, they were delivered to a grand throne room, void of a throne. In the center of the room was a large woman, adorned in a giant Victorian gown, and made up of thousands of small pieces of jewelry, among other trinkets and baubles. Her attire was so heavy, it rendered her completely immobile. A series of pipes and spyglasses surrounded her, allowing her to look out of her palace and into the outside world. Narrow golden pipes reached up from the floor all around her, each affixed with the head of a gramophone. It seems there is a lot of travelers coming through these days, she said as her visitors stood before her. Why, not more than a day ago, I saw Vel, sister of Ozma, escorting a young woman through my city. "'I know better than to mess with her, though. "'I know what she did to Plutus, "'not to mention the stone king, Phlegius. "'He was not always made of stone, you know. "'You two, however, look to be relatively harmless. "'I think I will keep you. "'This place could use a little color.' "'She looked at Mr.'s tanned leather body "'and the woodman's shining steel chassis. "'I've had enough of this,' said the woodman, "'unamused as he turned around "'to see five more guards entering the room. "'He turned back to the queen, "'who wore a snide, sly smile on her plump, round face. (laughs) "'Still think their kind of violence is not physical?' I would not underestimate them, if I were you. "'Fine,' said the unimpressed woodman. "'What do we need to do to get out of here?' He was not asking out of fear, but impatience. He simply wanted to leave, and he preferred leaving without scratching his new facade. "'If you insist on leaving—' "'Then I suppose there is something you could do for me. "'I have something that needs to be delivered to Ozma.' "'She reached up to her left shoulder "'and pulled a small gold-chained necklace from it. "'Attached to the chain was a large red ruby. "'This is to be between the three of us, of course.' "'Mister did not like the idea of keeping secrets from Dorothy. "'But if he and the woodman were only a day behind her and Vel, "'then time was of the essence. "'He quickly took the necklace from the queen's hand "'and placed it securely in a pocket sewn into his chest.'